Welcome to Pensions WTAF Working Through the Actual Facts podcast, a podcast brought to you by Pengage Limited, pension communications, engagement and guidance experts. I'm Laura and I have 25 years experience working within the pension sector, helping people to prepare and plan for their retirement. And I'm Nigel Heaton. I joined um, Laura at Pengage last year. After 33 years working in the pensions industry uh, for some of the major employee benefit consultancies, I'm also a fellow of the Pensions Management Institute and on pensions, I'm really short of an opinion. So this is a podcast no one will want to listen to because it's about pensions, but you should listen to it. It's a bit fun, it's relatable, it's kind of important. This is not financial advice, but guidance to help work through some of the practical and emotive issues that causes pensions procrastination. So we basically take the complicated stuff and try and make it a bit not complicated. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. Um, Today we're going to be recapping on something that we've talked about before, I think. Hi, Nigel. How are you? Hello. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Yeah, we're only... um just over two weeks away from uh, McLeod taking legal effect, aren't we? We are. As at the time of recording, it's 16 days to the 1st of April, which is when the McLeod remedy effectively, uh, in theory, kicks in. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? Because I know in some of the educational webinars that we've done on McLeod, um, we've been telling people there is nothing for you to do from April, which is when it takes effect. But it does also feel quite weird that we will pass that deadline date with nothing happening <laughs> yeah well, I think it's going to be like I think it's going to be like millennium new year's eve I think it was like this big build up to something and then when it arrived um you know it, it, nothing really happened <laughs> it's going to be like that isn't it it's... yeah yeah a bit like all those IT problems people predicted at the, yeah. the millennium yeah planes yeah. were going to fall out of the sky because the calendars wouldn't sync yeah. yeah, all those. And it was in the end, it was quite underwhelming, really, wasn't it? Um, yeah, but it made a lot of IT people rich, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure it did. Yeah, I mean, the the key thing, I suppose, about these changes is that they are in, enshrined in law from the first of April. So they are there is a thing that's happening. It's just in terms of what the a general scheme member will experience and see will probably be not really very much, to be honest. Um, but you, you touched on something there. We've, we've been running quite a lot of webinars, haven't we, for public yeah. employers, so right across the board. So that would be uh, NHS employers, teachers, civil service, etc., where we've been trying to explain at, um, at an easy-to-understand level what the McLeod ruling is and what it means, and then yep. to pick up on some questions that come up quite a lot. Yeah, and it, I suppose one of the objectives for us doing that um, and, and these are objectives that we've agreed with the respective employers is, is to try and reassure people. And, it, and it's good to feel um, that I think we've achieved that in, in every single one that we've done. The, we've had some good feedback, but we've also had some feedback which reinforces the objectives. A lot of people have said that I was worried before. I'm not quite so worried now. Or what was I worrying about in the first place? Because there are quite a few urban myths going around about what McLeod is and is not and and I think we put a lot of those to bed and and just explaining what it is in simple terms has been quite valuable and reassuring I think. So should we start there then should we do a quick uh, a very quick um, recap of actually what it is and why it's happening and then let's pick up on some of those frequently asked questions because I think if people have been asking them 
in the webinars, then there probably hopefully will be people listening that may have the same questions and we can put some of that, you know, out there to try and help people understand what they do or more likely do not need to do. All right. Yeah, I suppose we should recap again. It feels like we've done a lot of recapping on McLeod, but it is complex. And and I suppose if you look at it from a, a very high level, you know, when I when I try and explain this to my mates on a Friday night about what it is, and some of them do work in the public sector, they really don't get it and find it incredibly complex. So I, I suppose we can't recap it often enough, I don't think. So, yeah, I, I suggest you go ahead because you're very good at this. Thanks. But you know what it is? It feels like we recap a lot because we've done so many webinars. I think that's what it is. Um, so I'm going to try and keep it as, as simple as possible, just from a, a theoretical e explanation point of view. OK, so um, there are many schemes that are what are called public sector schemes. So they are schemes that are provided for public sector employees and they're typically backed by government or treasury. So they are things like the NHS pension scheme, civil service pension scheme, teachers, police, fire, currently judicial, various other types of scheme like that. Okay. And these schemes underwent a review um, in 2011, which was something called the Hutton Report, and that was to look at the sustainability of public sector pensions. So what that means is that the benefits provided by public sector pensions are, are very generous, um, but was it still appropriate for them to continue at that level, given things like life expectancy? So people are living longer. So, you know, when you pay someone a pension, you're paying it from when they retire until they die. So obviously if somebody's living longer, then it becomes more expensive. So that all happened. And that review basically introduced was the, the, the onset of the introduction of the new schemes that came in in 2015. And each of the schemes that I listed has their own version, but they're all very similar. Um, and they've all got slightly different names as well. But they basically was the new section that came in in 2015. And that meant that benefits were calculated slightly differently. Retirement ages are a bit later and so on. And we'll come back to that when we look at the frequently asked questions. Now, whether somebody did or didn't move into that new section in 2015 depended on two things. The first is, were they a member of the pension scheme as at the 31st of March 2012? And the second thing is, if they were, how close were they to their normal pension age? OK, if you joined after April 2012, then these changes in April don't affect you. You carry on as you always have. OK, so for those people who were quite close to what's known as their normal pension age, so the retirement age for the scheme they were in, um, what we're saying there when we say close to is within 10 years as of April 2012, then you would have remained in your original section and you wouldn't have moved into the 2015 scheme at all. If you had more than 13 and a half years to your normal pension age as of April 2012, you would have automatically been moved into the 2015 section for new pension going forward on the 1st of April 15. And if you were in that middle group, so you had somewhere between 10 and 13 and a half years to your normal pension age at April 2012, then you will have moved into the 2015 section, but that's likely to have been at a later date, which was based on your, your date of birth. Okay. Yep. So that all happened. All the schemes did the same thing. Um, and then, probably rather unsurprisingly, two legal challenges were raised um, against 
the judicial pension scheme, which was raised by Judge McLeod, and that's where we get the name, the McLeod remedy, and also Mr. Sargent from the Firefighters Pension Scheme, who is very undersold in this whole process, but he also <laughs> raised the same legal challenge. And that was that the way in which these new schemes had been introduced was discriminatory on grounds of age. So you can clearly see from what we've explained, depending on your proximity to your retirement age, meant you did or didn't move. And obviously that's got an age element attached to it. So rather long and protracted legal process, as you would expect. Ultimately, where we've ended up is, yes, the court agrees it's age discrimination. And we're in a position where that ruling now applies across all of the public sector pension schemes because they all did the same thing. OK, so. What that means is that Treasury are the people who are responsible for finding a fix, which means they remove the age discrimination. And this is where we're getting to now with the McLeod remedy. OK, so what is going to happen is from the 1st of April, some new legislation is going to come into effect. And some of that is looking backwards and some of that is looking forwards. So the bit that is looking backwards effectively means that all those people who were scheme members at the 31st of March 2012 and have subsequently moved into the 2015 section that will be effectively reversed as if that didn't happen and you will have continued in your original section up until the 31st of March 22 and then from the 1st of April 22 you then join the 2015 section okay you with me so far I am yes anything to add no, I'm just hoping there's not a test at the end, but no, no it's no, all sounds familiar to me. You're right, no test yet. Um, so that's what will happen to you. Now, the, the bit about the looking forward part of the legislation also impacts on those people who did not move originally. So remember, those people who were close to their normal pension age and stayed in their original scheme are now moving into the new section from 1st of April 22 as well. And by doing that, everybody effectively is... It now in the new section from 1st of April 22, no age discrimination attached to that. Okay. There is a second part to this, which is something called a deferred choice. So what that means is that when somebody retires, whenever that is for them, they will be presented with two options, two fundamental options at retirement. The first one being that you'll remain in your original section till March 22, and then you join the 2015 section. Or the second option is that you actually join the 2015 scheme seven years earlier on the 1st of April 15. And the reason that they provide that option is so that you can do a comparison of which one of those scenarios is likely to provide the better outcome for you. And then you would presumably choose the one that gives you with the higher or better benefits. And the reason they're giving that choice is because they recognise that actually some people will have a higher benefit from a longer period in the 2015 section, and some people will have a higher benefit from a longer period in the original section, depending on their own circumstances. And so they've had to put in that choice so that nobody's detrimentally affected as a result of the changes. So that in a nutshell is what is happening as a result of McLeod. Is that all right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose the maybe we should look at what our um, most observed reactions are when we've been doing the webinars on this because that that explanation um, quite often is followed by a period of silence where people contemplate um, and, and clearly we're using visuals to support the explanation so I, pe I think people get it but I think where they are concerned 
um, and the the main questions that that, that get um, raised are about do they lose something from their original section membership? So, for example, in the NHS, quite often there are 1995 section members who have a normal pension age of 60 and they have um, a pension accrual basis of 80th with additional cash of 380th. And those people are very concerned that they don't lose their cash entitlement or their right to take their benefits from 60. And, and for some people in a, a special category, it's actually 55. So um, how how do we answer that question? It, you're right. That is that is the probably the first question that comes yeah. out, isn't it, from any... It so you're right. So the NHS section that we're talking about is one of the original sections, which is 95. Um, in civil service, it's what's known as classic. In teachers, it's the final salary 80th section. They've all, they're, they're, they're again, they're, all they're, similar, they? yeah. they're very similar. Yeah. Okay. So the important thing to understand is that although people will now be in the 2015 section from the 1st of April 15, all your rights, options, choices in respect of your previous section do not change. OK, so if you've got a retirement age of 60, you still have a normal pension age of 60 for, in respect to the benefits in that section. If you currently have a pension in that section that's calculated on your service and 180th and you get a lump sum of three times the pension or 380th, then for that section that still applies. None of that changes. It just means that for new pension from the 1st of April 22, initially, will build up on a different basis, which is the basis of the 2015 scheme. So you don't lose anything that you've built up effectively. You just, going forward, it builds up in a slightly different way. Yeah. Which is a, a key point. Yeah, and I, I think the other question is quite often how the early retirement factors work, because I think what we have perhaps overlooked in the past is the fact that where people have got different parts of their employment within different sections of the pension scheme, each of which might have a different normal pension age, I, I don't think people are always that clear as to how different normal pension age benefits um, are, are combined within no, the total. I think you're right, because one of the questions which is sort of it ties into that is, I don't want to work until I'm 67. This is awful. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. Yeah. And, and that is because the 2015 sections carry what's called a normal pension age of state pension age. So currently 67 probably for most people, but if state pension age goes up, that will go up as well. So the statement of I don't want to work to, to 67, I mean, let's be honest, who does? Um, it doesn't. There's a big difference between normal pension age and minimum pension age. Okay, so minimum pension age is the earliest age at which you can access your pension benefits, which typically for most people at the moment is 55. For some, it's 50, but in the 2015 sections, it will be 55. Okay, um, the normal pension age is the age at which you can access the benefits without them being reduced. So what we mean by that is that you could take your, for example, your 2015 benefits at 60 instead of 67. Um, now, on that basis, the pension scheme is working on the law of averages. It's going to have to pay you a pension for seven years longer because you've taken it seven years earlier. Mm -hmm. And so it adjusts the pension down by something called an early retirement factor. 
Okay, so it might be that you've built up £4,000 worth of pension in the 2015 section, but because you're taking it a bit earlier, you actually get three and a half thousand as an example. These numbers are made up, by the way, but just to give you an, an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there is nothing to stop you. If, you're, if your retirement plan is I want to retire at 60, there is nothing to stop you from doing that. Okay. The thing that you've got to look at is can you afford to retire at 60? And to be honest, whilst the pensions do provide different levels of benefits, they're not likely for most people to be significantly different. So if you can't retire at 60 uh, on the new with the new scheme involved, you probably wouldn't have been able to afford to retire on 60 with the old scheme either. So it's just um, what we shouldn't do is fixate on the retirement age. What we should do is fixate on what we want to do and can we get the outcome for doing that? Yeah, that's fair enough. But that leads on to what the next most common question, which is I'm looking at retiring in the next couple of years. Uh-huh. Will I have full up-to-date accurate information to make my choice? So in short, the answer is it's not very likely that you will know, um, which is then followed with another question, isn't it, Nigel? <laughs> yeah, it's like, why the hell not? Or, or words to that effect. Um, yeah. so, so how do I make the decision is effectively the next question, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it's tricky. So let's just talk about why it was not going to be they're not going to be presented for that choice. So let's pretend, Nigel, that you're in the NHS pension scheme and you want to retire in September 22, as an example. It is extremely unlikely that the pension scheme will be able to give you a quote at that time of option A and option B, as we've talked about. The reason for that is uh, public sector schemes are what we call statutory schemes, um, which means they're set up under legislation. So when we make changes to those schemes, it has to go through a legislative process. Okay. Now, we've got the first part of the legislation, which is often referred to as primary, and that's the bit that says these changes are coming in on the 1st of April. Ta-da! Um, the bit that provides the detail of how this is going to work intrinsically, how we are going to uh, revalue people's benefits, how we're going to apply interest or all those sorts of things, um, pensions tax, we can come back to that, is, gonna, is in the secondary legislation. And we don't have all of the secondary legislation yet. We've been promised it in April, but we also were promised it in January and before that December and before that September and before that July. So so we don't have that. Now, if we don't have that, it means the pension schemes themselves don't have that. So the administrators of the pension scheme do not have all of the information that they need to be able to put all of this in place effectively. For that reason, Treasury have built into the initial legislation that pension schemes have until October 23 to have everything in and running and process-wise they can function. So that gives us a little bit of a problem. So for people who are retiring, probably each pension scheme is going to work this differently, but probably between April 22 and October 23, the, the choice isn't going to be available to them at that time. So it's likely, again, it will differ a little bit from scheme to scheme, that be, they'll be presented with a retirement option based on current information. And then at some point at a later date, they will then be given a retrospective option. Um, so they'll say, hi, Nigel, you retired on this basis, but actually you also have a choice of this basis. This is what this means. What do you want to do? And you can choose to retain the level of benefits you've got or you can choose to effectively make a higher I would presume you'd only change if it would provide you with a higher level of benefits so in terms of planning if you plan on what you know now um 
then it's very unlikely, very, very unlikely that those benefits are actually going to go down. If anything, they'll go up. So that that's kind of the way to sort of pre- present that. Yeah, okay. So going back to where we started our discussion on this, now we've done the recapping and the most commonly asked questions. Is anything new going to come out in the next few weeks, whether it's by the 1st of April or shortly thereafter? Um, I don't know. I mean, there's there's things coming out all of the time. We went through a, a period a couple of weeks ago where it was just consultation central in that, yeah. um, although the, the, the pension schemes themselves have to consult on the changes, even though we already sort of know what the changes are, it's kind of the process they have to go through. So we've seen consultations from civil service on things like ill health and added pension and the EPA. We've seen consultations from NHS on, again, ill health added pension just the concept of the change in a broader scale as well we've seen lots of those starting to come out and we're hoping that we'll see more details come april there will be a lot of background work going on that that people like you because we're external to that process and not privy to Um, but it is going to be a long process so members are not likely to specifically see any significant changes themselves until after October 23. There'll be communications, generic communications, certain yeah. groups of people have already been written to, explaining, you know, you didn't move before, but you're moving now sort of thing. But but um, we, ju- we just we just got to wait. So the, the really important takeaway message is there's nothing really for anybody to do now, with one exception, and I'll come back to that in a second, and it's just a case of, of wait. So this is what I mean by it being quite an underwhelming date, really. We'll get to the 1st of April and go, oh, it's the cloud. And then nothing will happen because actually it can't yet. Um, so we just need to be patient with that. Okay. All right. The one exception that I'm talking about are is it, it's quite niche and it will only affect a small number of people. But that is uh, people who in the past, have exceeded something called the lifetime allowance. So the lifetime allowance is the measure of the value of your benefits. Um, Now, typically, we measure it at the time you put your benefits into payment. And if you're over the allowance, then you might have an additional pensions tax charge to pay. Now, the lifetime allowance itself has changed quite a lot over years. And therefore, if you were somebody who was over the lifetime allowance at the time that it changed, because when I say change, what I really mean is it went down, you could apply for something called protection, which would potentially give you a higher lifetime allowance. So it protect you at a higher level. So if you're one of these people, you will know this because you had to apply for this from HMRC. Okay. Now, there are a couple of types of protection, which are typically enhanced and fixed, that can that prevent you from building up benefits in a different pension scheme. So you can continue in some of the circumstances in your existing scheme and you keep the protection. But if you move to a different scheme, you lose that protection. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. Typically enhanced what we're talking about there. Okay. Now, the issue that we've got is if you are somebody with one of those protections and from the 1st of April, you are moving into the 2015 scheme as a legal entity. The 2015 scheme is separate to your other scheme, although it might come under the umbrella of, say, the NHS pension scheme, for example, or civil service. It's actually a separate pension scheme. So if you move across on the 1st of April into the 2015 scheme, you will lose your protection. It becomes invalid. 
So that small group of people that, that are impacted by this, you will need to look at your own situation before the 31st of March in the event that you want to perhaps retain that protection because you might then need to consider not joining the 2015 scheme and your only option there is to opt out. So you do need to look at that really carefully to see what is the best outcome for you. But if you don't, then automatically on the 1st of April, you will lose that protection. Yeah, okay, got you. Yeah, all right. So we're, we're carrying on doing our webinars, aren't we? Because we've got quite a few in the diary and, and the objective, like we said at the start, is really to provide reassurance and background information to people who are affected and also to help them understand what they need to do now, which in, for most people is do nothing now because the choice is a deferred choice and therefore you won't need to make a decision until you take your retirement benefits. Yeah. Um, but for the time being, you and I are just going to sit tight and uh, look for the legislation being published, and we might chat about that on a future pod. Is that right? I think so. Yeah, because I think one some of the things that people are quite anxious about are those people that have had annual allowance charges in the past. Yeah. Uh, they they may need to be recalculated for those people, and there's some people that are quite anxious about that, and I think they're expecting that come the first of April we'll be able to do that. No. Yeah. You'll be lucky, if I'm honest, you'll be lucky really if we can do that to any great effect properly for 18 months. So, yes, we do need to do it. There will be a process that enables us to go back and revisit those. But again, the detail that we need for that doesn't exist yet. So um, don't don't get all hot under the collar about we've got to do this because actually we can do estimates, but that's no good to you really. You're better off waiting until we can look at it in more accurate sense. and, and yeah, one of the other questions that I get quite a lot is I'm trying to work, I'm trying to work out if I should opt out on the 31st of March. To which my response is, why, 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 why are we wondering this? Well, because, um, you know, I don't I, I might retire in two years and I'll only have a bit in the 2015 scheme. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, but you are still building up pension. And that's the thing we've got to remember, isn't it? Is for all the time that we're still in the scheme, we're, we're building on our pension. Whether it's for a long period of time or a short period of time, we're still adding to the pension. And I think that's the important thing to try and remember. Yeah, and you probably can't replicate the pension benefits that you're building up um, in any meaningful way, um, simply because it's unaffordable, because your employer, in effect, the UK government, is paying the balance of the cost of the the promised benefits. Yeah, yeah, they're great schemes. They are. So now everybody's circumstances are really different. Um, everybody's going to have different considerations. Um, but yeah, I think the, the probably the main takeaway message is is first of April is going to be a little bit underwhelming in theory. Um, but but don't panic. There's nothing to panic about, and just you know just try and get familiar to what the changes might mean for you. All right. Okay. Thank you. We're done here, aren't we? I think we're done. I don't think anybody wants to talk about it anymore, do they? Um, not me, anyway. No, no, okay. no, quite enough of that. All right, okay, all right. Well, we'll leave it there then. And um, yeah, we might be back in a few weeks um, with with an update. Who knows? All right. All right. Cheers, all guys. Right. See, you See you later. Bye.